You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. Wendy and I had an opportunity that not many people get, and that's to live in another country for almost a decade where we pastored a church. And many people say, well, that was just Canada, as if it's the United States north. But in reality, it's a completely different world up there. And as a pastor in a church, there is so much to learn about people and their expectations and, and how they communicate. And it's a different world. You know, churches are smaller. There's not as many Christians. It's very much of a post-Christian culture. And then there were the normal things of life that we had to learn. You know, new banking systems and tax codes and, and all kinds of uh, different cultural things. And though we were really close to Washington, just a few minutes away from the border, it felt like we were strangers and aliens in a completely different world. But we had a job to do. We had kids to raise. We had, we had, raised, we had a calling to fulfill. And so we learned to rely on Christ. And so what Peter's calling you and I to do in a culture that we feel probably just as foreign in, this culture in America that's changing so quickly, is not only just survive the culture, but to thrive in the culture, to fulfill our calling. And Peter is writing to these exiles that have, have fled Roman persecution, and now they were getting a hint of it up where they were too, this kind of social persecution and he wanted to tell them how they could fulfill their calling and walk with Jesus. And really what it comes down to is being like Christ. It's holiness. And so today I hope when you leave you'll have some practical ideas of how to live a holy life. Even in a crazy culture like ours. And even in a land that certainly doesn't feel like it's our own. So take your Bibles if you would and turn to the book of 1 Peter where we'll land as we continue our series this morning, 1 Peter 1, and we're going to start in verse 13 today. You can also download your Ridgewood app, or you can take that Bible in front of you in the seat rack and turn to page 1014. 1 Peter 1, beginning in verse 13. Now, keep your finger there just for a moment, and remember where we've been. We've learned so far that you have an incredible inheritance waiting for you that you can navigate because there's something more for you, and Peter will reiterate that thought today. You can also navigate this culture because the trials that you face are not random. They are there for a reason. They're there to strengthen you and to purify you and to give you a deeper witness. And by embracing this truth, life even in a culture that's rapidly shifting can be far more than just a cross to bear. It can be something that really changes other people's lives. And we can have joy, we can have peace, we can have contentment when we live in holiness. Now, the Apostle Paul, we're probably more familiar with his writings in a lot of ways, like to remind his readers that the culture wasn't theirs and they had no business being immersed in the, the practices of the culture. In Philippians 3, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, now Peter will take this idea and run with it. Our citizenship is in heaven. 
We, we, we are here for a reason. We, we, we are called elect exiles by Peter because he called us here for this moment, but we are not to be like culture, and there's the rub. That's why it's so hard. So let's find out how to be holy. Let's find out how to thrive. Let's find out how to make a difference in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 21. Beginning in 13, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Verse 20, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. So this is a powerful passage. There's a lot here for us, but it's, it's very, very practical, and we can learn how we can live a holy life that makes a difference in our culture. And the thing that Peter really circles around is this idea of hope. And hope is what ultimately enables us to keep our equilibrium and to move forward even when things aren't necessarily lining up the way we think they should be. In 13, we see this where Peter says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so until that time when we see Christ, until that time when we are with Christ, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. We can set our hope on what's ahead and not what's around us. And we can one day be home and our work will be finished. But until then, we can thrive. One of, my, uh, one of the people from history that I most admire is Nelson Mandela, the great freedom fighter from South Africa, who uh, basically freed that country from apartheid. And for his work, he was put in prison for 27 years years. And he wasn't necessarily a young man even when he went to prison. But what he would do in order to, to remind himself about what was ahead is he would do almost like you see in the movies. He started uh, writing on the wall of his jail cell and he kept track of the days as they went by looking forward to his release. And then finally he was able to get some paper calendars and some desk calendars and he would just fastidiously just record how close he was to being free. And he was able to emerge from that with his faith and not bitter, and he went right back to work. And I think that's what Peter's getting at here. Don't immerse yourself so you're getting bitter. Don't let all of these distractions get you off course. Stay with Christ. Look forward to being with him. And then you will find that it was all worthwhile. And so hope is a key thing for us. And we're going to learn how to have that hope and how to live that kind of a life. So how do we actually live with hope and holiness? Well, first, Peter will tell us that a prepared mind allows for hope that leads to holiness. A prepared mind. And he, he makes that clear here, but I want to just unpack it for you so you understand what that means. 
He has this command to prepare your minds for action and to be sober-minded. But it's all under this command to have hope. And so the way the Greek is constructed is hope is is the command here, and you do that by being prepared and by being sober-minded. And so he starts here with this idea of having a prepared mind. And this is really about obedience. This is about an act of the will. This is about deciding who you're going to follow. And this is about setting your course in that direction. It's almost like this tough-minded Christian commitment. And some translations have this as gird up the loins of your mind. And that just goes to this practice when you would wear robes around at that time. You'd have to pick up your robe and you'd have to hurry off to where you were going. And Peter's saying, this is what I want you to do with your mind. I want you to move in a hurry. I want you to go this direction. I want you to tie up the loose ends so that you're thinking correctly. So that you're obedient to Christ. And closely related to that, not only are we to be prepared, but a sober mind leads to holiness. And this is a really interesting kind of a concept here because I know what you think, the opposite of sober is drunkenness. And that's right, except it's not alcoholic drunkenness, it's being drunk and intoxicated on the culture. We are not to be intoxicated by the culture. We are to soberly track toward God. To track toward that end game. Remember, last week it was all about the inheritance. And how we can look forward to what God has for us. Because the things of this world then become less attractive to us. And so these exiles that Peter is writing to had obviously had a problem with this. If you look at verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Don't go back there again. And some of you, when you read that, you know exactly what Peter's talking about. You, you came from a background that was so definitively different than who you are right now that you go, yeah, I'm there. I don't ever want to go back there. And then some of you grew up in the church, and you've been Christians your whole life, which is great, but you maybe are having a hard time relating to that. But remember that you come from a sinful birth. You are a person who has been scarred by the fall. You need a Savior. You don't want to go and act like your nature would have you act like. And here's here's what we have to keep in mind about being prepared and sober is, where are we going to get our worldview from? How are we going to shape our belief systems? If you're going to do it on Netflix and Prime and Instagram and Facebook and, and Twitter, good luck. Because what you're going to learn when you're immersed in that kind of, thinking only, there's nothing wrong with that, but if that's all you're focusing on, then you are going to chase things that will slip through your fingers. You're going to get angry. You're going to be all bound up in the culture. And, and, and frankly, I think what's happening in America is we've got a bunch of angry Christians running around because somehow politically we're not getting our way or, or we feel like we're being threatened or the worldview that we like is being taken away. And I think if Peter were standing right here, You know, I'd probably be scared. I probably wouldn't like that very much. But he would probably say to us, what are you doing? This isn't how you do this. No, of course it's going to be crazy here. Set your mind on what's ahead of you. Prepare your mind. Live soberly. Live a holy 
life. And then we can navigate this culture because the things of this world are fleeting. And this passage from Isaiah is, is so clear. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. That's where you want to place your mind. That's where you want to place your efforts. Politicians are going to come and go. Uh, cultural worldviews are going to change rapidly God never changes. That's where you can plant your flag. So be ready, be anchored, and live a holy life so you can navigate this culture. But again, what are we actually putting our hope in? And I want to go back to that concept of seeing Christ again because the second half of 13 helps us understand that. It is, it is about being hopeful in the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is when we see Christ. This is when we are with Christ. This is where... You are to be looking. And unfortunately, in the church today, we don't talk enough about the future return of Christ. Or even the fact that if we're taken before he returns, that we are never without Christ. And this is where we are to look. This is where we are to be fulfilled. This is where we find joy and contentment. And this is what's terribly attractive to non-believers. Because when they see a believer living with a, with a course that's moving forward in a particular direction, they're intrigued by that because they don't see that very often. They will use terms like, wow, that person is really centered because that person knows who they are. And so it's important that we keep this in mind. But there's another aspect of this here that Peter touches on as well in 15 through 19. One of the reasons that we can live a holy life, one of the reasons that we should be focused on what's ahead is because we were purchased at a great cost. So look at 15 again. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. The cost that Jesus paid on the cross for you means that you're valuable. It means that he loved you enough to carry a cross that was not his to carry. It was yours to carry. It was mine to carry. But yet you are so infinitely valuable in God's eyes that he made that sacrifice for you. And you were literally purchased away from sin. And so our hope for holiness is made possible not by our own efforts, but by the blood of Christ. By, by, the, by the soaking of the cross. This is where we find our value, not in how we do in front of people, not how successful we are, not how popular we are, not how many followers we have. It's that we were purchased out of sin by Christ. I have a friend named John Turnipseed. John has an amazing story. John grew up in the South, and he was a victim of just horrific abuse. And so as so often happens, John grew up to be uh, an alcoholic. He was a womanizer. But even more, John ran the largest gang in the Midwest called the Bloods. 
And the bloods were so brutal that Minneapolis, during the reign of the bloods in the minds of law enforcement, officers had earned the title Murderapolis because of the bloodshed that was on the streets because of the bloods. And John ran this gang. And, and John would hurt people. If you tried to hurt John, John would hurt you. And even today, John has some 30 family members serving time. He has two sons in prison as well. But God did an amazing work in John's life. He, through a series of miracles, came to know Jesus. And he immediately began to disconnect from this horrific past. And God began to show him grace and forgiveness. And John started a, a center in downtown Minneapolis called uh, uh, Ventures, which is a fathering center, Urban Ventures, that helps ex-cons come out and learn how to be fathers. And John also, in order to break this cycle of, of, of sin and abuse, he adopted his grandson. So there could be a break from that, and God is blessing that. And so John is, is, is really intimately aware that he was purchased out of that to what he is now, and the same goes for you and me. Maybe we didn't come out of a gang lifestyle, but we have been purchased out of sin. But the story about John is not about John, it's about Jesus. And this is what Jesus does. This is how he relates to us because of this incredible act of sacrifice on the cross. And so why be holy? It's because you are valuable and the price that was paid for you is immense. You were purchased by Christ. You were, not just other people, you were. And so that should be motivation enough in Peter's mind to go out and really try to live for Christ. But even more, Peter says this all happened, that Christ was manifest before the foundation of the world. In 20, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. The last times mean the time we're living in. And, and, and being created before the foundation of the world means before anything happened that we can see Christ was existent, Christ was already on mission, the plan of redemption was already ready, and we are a recipient of that plan of redemption. And so that's really the point that Peter's trying to get across here is how do you live a holy life in a lousy culture? You do it through having hope. And having hope means that we are prepared and that we are constant in our thinking. It means that we understand the price that was paid for us and that we have been purchased out of sin into holiness. And so it isn't our story it's the story of God, and that's a beautiful thing, and so it can be done. The culture doesn't have to eat us alive. The culture doesn't have to win. We can live for Christ and have huge impact. So I just want to leave you with a few things today that I hope will make this practical. Just some gospel takeaways. As you go back to your life tomorrow and, and you re-engage and you're back to school or work, how can you actually do this because the command is clear at 16 since it is written you shall be holy for I am holy that isn't a suggestion it also doesn't mean you need to be like God you'll never be like God you aren't God but there needs to be or there should be or can be a progression toward Christ likeness 
And so as strangers and aliens, this is how we capture, we capture hearts and minds and how we can thrive. And the first thing that we see here is that you can be holy because your future is set. You, you don't have to try to fend for yourself. You don't have to try to make it up as you go. Your future is already there for you. It's the revelation of Christ. It's the inheritance that's set for you. And so, please don't be discouraged. Please don't think you're alone. Please don't think that the church is losing. We, I think there's this narrative that kind of runs through Christendom. We don't really want to say this. It kind of seems like, well, the church is losing you know, to Islam and this kind of stuff. No, 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 no. The church is, the church is healthier around the world than it's ever been. And the more persecution comes to America, the healthier the church in America will get. So your future is just fine. But then just live for that future. And don't live for this nonsense that's going on around you. Because Paul, again, back to the apostle, talked about this in Ephesians. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then Paul continues on, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This is your future. This is who you are. This is who God created you to be. And you are not of this culture. You are something immeasurably more than that. So live for that. The second way that we can be holy in this crazy culture is that you have already been paid for. And you don't have to keep paying the price for your sin over and over and over again. You need to just rest in the mercy of God. And live in gratitude because you were ransomed from your former ways. And, and though it may seem that you can never untie yourself from that. It may seem like days when you're not moving forward and you wonder, is God really working in my heart? This is where we need to trust. This is where we need to believe. This is how you can know. You get up in the morning and you say, I'm still repenting of that same sin I did yesterday and the day before and the day before. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says that our future is set. The Bible says that we have been paid for by Christ. And the Bible says that he will do a good work in you and it will never fail. And so this is how you can survive and thrive in this culture. And then thirdly, I would say this. You can be holy when you live with a reverent purpose. Peter says here in verse 17, And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Fear is simply reverence for God. So when you take this seriously and you live in reverence to the person that bought you, then great things can happen. Listen, the command here is to be holy because I am holy. And it was written to people like us. They weren't being hardcore persecuted yet in these northern provinces, but it was coming. And their relatives were being persecuted in Rome. And so they were afraid. They felt displaced. And Peter was encouraging them 
And so he knew that they, they were surrounded by doubt and hate. And that it would be easy for them to get bitter and be succumbed into that, or succumb to that culture. But he wanted them to reflect Christ. And that's what Peter wants for you and me. That's what he wants for our church. And so we've made this pact to go out into our community and, and make disciples, to, to make, make Jesus known through community impact. And, and God has, has really blessed us. And, and people are coming to Christ, and, and it's exciting to see. And this is why we do things like fix up our building and so that we can be a ministry center and, and, and we can invite people to church and they can have safe children's programs. And this is why we put money into children's programs and why we want to do a preschool and why we want to grow our budget so we can bless global missions more. It's all because we feel this, this compelling command to make Jesus known. And we do that by being like Christ. We do that by being different. We do that by living holy lives that have a direction that the world doesn't understand. So I just want to encourage you this morning that you can have peace. You can be content. Your life can matter in huge ways. You can live a holy life in a land that you know is not your own. Let me just pray for you this morning. God, I just thank you that there is so much hope embedded in Peter's writings. I thank you, God, that each of us in our own way, within our election as exiles that are here at this time, have been called by you to make a difference. We're wired differently. We have different backgrounds. We have different circumstances, but yet we're all called to one common purpose, and that is to reflect you and to make disciples and lead people into a deep relationship with you. So will you please just remind us whose we are. Remind us that you have purchased us away from the nonsense around us and you've brought us into a new place directed at a new kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. We encourage you to receive the message that was just given and let the Lord do a mighty work in and through you. For more information on how to connect, give to this ministry, or for more faith-based resources, visit us at myrwc.org.